Before we jump into the episode, here's a quick disclaimer about our content. The Remote Real Estate Investor Podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended as investment advice. The views, opinions, and strategies of both the hosts and the guests are their own and should not be considered as guidance from Roofstock. Make sure to always run your own numbers, make your own independent decisions, and seek investment advice from licensed professionals. Hey everyone, welcome back for another episode of the Remote Real Estate Investor. My name is Emil Shore and I am joined by Tom Schneider and Michael Albaum. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about a blog post that was recently published on the Stessa blog titled The Best U.S. Cities to Invest in a Rental Property. So let's dive into this episode. All right, guys. So we recently published an article on the Stessa blog called The Best U.S. Cities to Invest in a Rental Property. So this is looking at data from 2020 to 2021. And the idea behind it is to help people see which markets have performed the best. Obviously not an indicator of which will perform the best in the future, but always interesting to look at. And it details 15 small metros, 15 mid-sized metros, and then the 15 large metros that real estate investors should take note of. And so I thought this was a cool article. Want to go through it with you guys, get your feedback. Uh, do you agree with the way that the list was come up with? How would you look at it as actual rental property investors? So you guys ready? Yeah, let's, let's do, do it. it. Uh, I'm going to read from the article and we're going to link to this article in the show notes. So anyone who wants to go check it out and read it in detail can do so. So it says, to identify the best locations for buying a rental property, our researchers created a composite index based on five key factors real estate investors consider when evaluating a market. These factors include the gross rent multiplier, recent and forecasted home price growth, effective property tax rates, and population growth. Data sources include the U.S. Census Bureau, Zillow, and the Department of Housing and Urban Development. To improve relevance, only locations with at least 100,000 residents and available data from all sources were included in the analysis. So that's all the boring stuff to get out of the way. But so those key factors, right? So so this team of uh, researchers, they created a composite index based on gross rent multiplier, recent and forecasted home price growth, property tax, population growth. Without diving into like the actual list yet, what do you guys think... Are those, are those factors that you care about as a real estate investor, A, and B, what do you think is potentially missing from that score if you were to try to rank a list? Yeah, I'm going to go first because Tom always leaves me with the scraps. My mouth was open <laughs> when you started jumping in. <laughs> go ahead. You hit, the butter. you hit the buzzer first. Go ahead. So one metric that I see a lot, like gross rut multiplier, GRM, is just not a metric that I find very useful. So for anybody listening, gross GRM, uh, gross rent multiplier is basically a uh, measure of the gross annual rent as compared to the property purchase price. And so it, it's just a number, it's a ratio, and usually it's a decimal because unless your property is renting for like a crap ton on an annual basis, you're going to be renting it for less than you bought it for. So it just doesn't give you like a really good indication of what your expenses look like in that market. So pro like you could have an amazing gross rent multiplier but your property taxes are through the roof. And so your cap rates are still really low or your cash on cash return is still really low. So that I don't find very useful. Um, and one metric I would add 
to the pot would be uh, the like a, what the economy looks like in terms of the diversification. Hmm. So if we take Detroit, for example, turn the clock back 10 years, that was a, an industry or an economy that was really propped up by the auto manufacturing industry. And when that went kaput, we saw the whole metro really suffer as a result of that. And so I'm always trying to look at what are the legs that are propping up this local economy and factor that into my decision making. Michael, I'm going to come out and just, you know, while GRM gross rent multiplier is not the full picture, I think it's breadcrumbs, Michael. And I don't think you can throw it away into the trash like you just did in that little spiel you did. Uh, I'm going to scrape it off with a little <laughs> fancy silver thing off the, off the tablecloth and just throw I, it over the floor. I think that's disrespectful to GRM. Um, <laughs> well, sure, there, you know, it's, there are some really important uh, components. I think it can directionally kind of give you um, some baseline expectations uh, with regards to cap rate and, and whatnot. And I'm not arguing with you that it's it's not a complete metric, but I mean, what are you looking for, Michael? The like buy not buy metric? It's it. it <laughs> yeah, I want I want someone to give me the <laughs> I think, answer. <laughs> I think it's a it, I think it's a helpful, um, just general metric to to look at uh, when evaluating markets at that really high level. You're not making your acquisition decision, uh, and this is. I mean, a fun thing about buying real estate is there's funnels, right? You're evaluating markets, then you're evaluating neighborhoods, and you're evaluating properties. And I think the the GRM it could be an initial good good one to to start with. So um. let let me let me take a <laughs> shot in the dark here. Let me. I I, I feel like you also love uh, gross yield. Oh gosh, as a metric. Some, no, come on, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, but here here's what you're doing. Here's what you're doing with GRM is you can you can use that value at a market level to start to kind of benchmark individual properties in that overall area. Uh, but, you know, again, not the end all be all. Now I'll go ahead and throw my little um, thought on the other metrics. Do you like how I changed the topic before to, like letting you get any, any more words in with that? <laughs> you guys, you guys, this isn't <laughs> a showdown episode, fashion. but you're treating it like one. But you I've know so much well, Tom, Tom so made much it into one. Like adrenaline. <laughs> Um, I, 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 you know, yeah. Okay. Come on, Tom. Come on. <laughs> Emil, right. life's a competition. Life's I don't a... know if you got that memo. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I like the fire. Keep it going, guys. Okay. So I'm going to talk about, I like that they have a minimum population of a hundred thousand people like in the metros that they're looking at. But what I will say is it's different if you're looking at a, a an area that has a hundred thousand population and like, that's it surrounding it. It's another thing if you're looking at a pocket of 100,000 that's right next to a pocket of 200,000 or 300,000. So uh, I personally really like population dense areas, I think, for some of the reasons that Michael talked about in that they generally have more diverse economies. Um, I, I, I would add that as another top level metric when evaluating these, not just kind of giving it a floor of saying it's greater than a hundred thousand dollars, excuse me, a hundred thousand people. That's the number. Um, so I, I think that like clustering general MSA is like really important, uh, in the way that I would evaluate, okay, what's the best rental market. So, uh, I, I agree with what you guys said. My two cents, uh, I would ideally like to see something like insurance costs, right? That's another big, important cost for real estate investors really hard to do that, like blanket and insurance costs. And I'm sure that's why it wasn't included here, but uh, something to consider. And then, you know, 
harshness of environment, I think is, is an important one as well, right? If you have a place that gets very hot and very cold, your CapEx over the long run is going to be higher than somewhere like Southern California that has more like milder temperature all year, right? So these are all things I think in a perfect world, you wave your wand and you could like have the data for these and plug them in. Very difficult to come up with. So I think what was used is what's really available and and easy to collect for this. I thought of one more thing I, I, would, I would want to add on this. Yeah. So they're giving like percentage changes in home price, you know, year over year. Yeah. Like comparing that to the ban- baseline is really important. Like if you have an area where the average home price is $60,000 and it goes up by $5,000, right. you know, that, that looks like a gigantic jump. And it, and it is. But, you know, if, if you're looking at that same area and the average whatever home price is 200000 and it jumps up $20,000, you know, like that that baseline is is a really is a, a helpful breadcrumb in the uh, evaluation process. So, oh, so now you're into breadcrumbs. <laughs> I, I, are you kidding me? I love breadcrumbs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a I'm a big breadcrumb guy. Big breadcrumb guy. It's, yeah. Um, Emil, getting back to your thing about insurance, kind of the cool thing about it is, I would be shocked if you did an overlay with uh, the highest insurance costs over natural catastrophe zones throughout the US, you'd, you'd see a pretty strong correlation. And so right. in parts of California, well, parts of the, practically the whole state is in a wildland fire zone. And so you see your dwelling fire insurance costs through the roof, same thing in hurricane zones. Um, earthquake zones is a little bit different because you're getting specific coverage for that, but just for your standard like dwelling homeowner policy, I would be surprised if, you, if it wasn't a really strong correlation with the, with the natural hazard zones. Good point insurance guy. Uh, insurance guy, one more question for you. This is unrelated. <laughs> How can I help? Uh, earthquake insurance. So yeah. you are uh, a, a new new homeowner, I believe, in California. Yeah. Can't you see all my um, earthquake strapping on my two water heaters? <laughs> we, were, we were complimenting him bawling out and having two double water heaters. <laughs> yeah, one, one for the sink and one for the bath, you know? Get a tankless, man. Just yeah. um, oh, do you think what do you think I'm made of money? My, <laughs> my question before... Uh, Earthquake insurance, totally unrelated. Do you, do you, are you a, are you a, are you a buyer of earthquake insurance? Am I pro? Yeah, I am. And there's like so much flack out there for people that get earthquake insurance. And here's the real like hard pill that people have a hard time swallowing is the deductibles are normally, you know, five, seven and a half, 10, 15%, but it's of the dwelling limit. So if you have a $500,000 house with a 10% deductible, you're on the hook for the first 50,000. And so for a lot of people, that ends up being more than their down payment or their equity in the home. And so they figure if they got to come up with 50 grand and they only put 30 into the property, they'll just walk away like, and let it go back to the bank. So that's kind of the argument for not getting it. Uh, for getting it is if you have equity in the property, if you have a lot of cash sitting in the property, uh, then it could very well be worth it. But again, your, your deductible is set based on the dwelling limit. So if you've got an expensive property, you're going to have to come out of pocket a lot of money for the insurance to even kick in. And the insurance itself is still really expensive on top of that, even with these high deductibles. Makes a lot of sense. I, uh, so, sorry, Emil, let's get back on track. I, I'm, uh, I'm always interested with these type of insurance questions with Michael and um, good I'm, insight, Michael. Yeah. I'm sure our Thanks. listeners are too. So good question. All right, let's, let's get to the list because that's why people are here. So uh, we'll start at 15 and we'll go to number one. Uh, Tom, you actually brought up such a good point in that the the percentage is not as important as, you know, like if I own a home in California and my property increases 5% versus 
versus if I owned a home in Kansas and it went up 10% because my property started out so much more like my actual dollar increase in net worth or equity, wherever you, however you want to look at it is going to be so much higher. So that, that would probably be a, a more interesting way to look at it. But anyway, any guesses on number 15? Ooh, I'm going to admit I looked at it, but I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> you saw it in the article and don't remember from five minutes ago. I think it was somewhere in Florida. Wait, no, you're jumping ahead. R wrong, Michael. Classic. Hold on, it's in the southeast? It's kind of. Yes. Is it... I hope Nashville? I... Is it yeah, Nashville? It is Nashville. Good job, Tom. Yeah, you just I, you totally just opened up the link and, and looked back at it. I purposely put in a blank tab just to make sure that I wasn't... Because <laughs> <laughs> you have no self-control. No self-control, yeah. All right. So, for this first one, for number 15, we'll go through, again, the, com the composite index score uh, and then all the metrics that were used to compile this index and we'll, we'll talk about them. And then for the rest of them, we'll just talk about the composite index, but we'll link to this article in the show notes for anyone who wants to take a deep dive on this article. So, our composite index on Nashville came in at 53.27. And we'll start with the gross rent multiplier, 21.4. So again, that is property value over gross yearly rental income. Uh, median monthly rent, 1,422. Median home price, 365,573. Year over year change in home price, 20.9% forecasted home price growth, I believe this is over the next 12 months, is 19%. Our effective property tax, 0.56%, and our year-over-year -year change in population, 1.4%. Your average price point is north of 350, yet your average rent is about 1,500. So, I mean, if you look at the price-to-rent ratio on these properties, we're in that you know, 0.5 to 0.45 area. So, I think if you're looking for a cash flow, these types of properties might be tough to uh, to make the numbers work. What do you guys think? Totally agree. I mean, I think this is one of those investments where you kind of like believe in the market and the kind of the underpinning economics. And I know a lot of people do. Um, Nashville is a very popular place, I, I think, to, for people to move to. <laughs> I was visiting over there recently. And um, yeah, it is it is a very cool city. I was just going to say north of 1% year over year population growth. That's That's a big chunk for just 12 months. So a lot of people moving there. I was going to say, I think something that I've started to do now much more so than I've done in the past is when looking at markets, evaluating the potential for short-term rentals as well. And that's something that Roofstock actually just recently rolled out as part of the marketplace, which is super exciting. And so if before you like write off Nashville as a non-possible cash flow market, think about some of the other tools in the tool belt or other ways you could approach this. And I think you can very easily turn a non-cash flow market into a significant cash flow market via short-term rental. Great point and good plug. <laughs> it's always been kind of a, like not super hot on like vacation rentals, but I think I'm changing. I think my attitudes are changing. I mean, it's not- Dude, I'm right there with you. Yeah. <laughs> I was just so like, I didn't understand it for so long and I was always so scared and gun shy of it. I was like, oh, well, if it doesn't work out or like a regulations change, then I'm left holding the bag kind of a thing. Um, and if it doesn't work out, like if there's not a, a strong long-term market, then you could be in big trouble. But we did a podcast and subsequent book club with Avery Carl, and we had her on in the Roofstock Academy. And she was talking about in these historic vacation markets, like the regulation is not changing. 
the they don't have the hotel lobbyists, they don't have the community aspect. If people have always rented homes in these markets for vacations, her thought is that that will continue. I heard a great analogy mm-hmm. in talking about vacation homes. Like I always think of like the op the opex as being like significantly higher, which I think like it is. But there's an aspect of opex and good friend, um, also investor uh, Mitch Davidson said you know, think of them almost like a fire engine, you know, where it's constantly getting washed, like constantly, you know, sure, it's being used, but it's just like at every kind of time around the turner, turn around the whatever, new person, like it's getting a full like vetted, you know, evaluation. So like, while there is some like overhead in those costs, um, the fire engine analogy, I like that one, where it's like constantly yeah. getting used. Yeah. That's good. I mean, it hits a little close to home for me with the whole fire thing, but whatever, Tom, I see what you did there. I, I can still appreciate that. My comments are layered, Michael. <laughs> yeah, it's deep. I like your onion comments today. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> they're stinky. Oh. <laughs> All right. Moving on, you two. Moving on to number 14. Uh, someone said Florida. We are in Florida for number... I think that was Michael. Yeah. We are in Florida for number two. Any guesses on which city in Florida? I'm not even going to act like I didn't look because I have it like upright. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, right in so front Tom of you. So Tom can't say. So Michael, what, what's your guess? Oh man, uh, Tampa. It's the market that every tech person on Twitter is talking about. Uh, Come on, uh, I'm not You're in, on Twitter. I, I know Come I'm on. not in the feed so much though. Uh, Cocoa Beach. I don't know. I have no idea. This guy's living under a rock. Miami, Florida. Baby. Oh Miami. All right. All right. Miami, Miami. Uh, Our composite index score in Miami, 53.81. Just as a quick reference, Nashville, again, was 53.27. So the higher the composite index, this article is claiming the higher, the better potential for a rental property investor. Big difference between those two. You you know, you're talking about how significant the population growth is Nashville at 1.5%. Um, yeah, Miami is just, you know, 0.1%, which is still like, you know, up north, but just kind of a point to Nashville, like, wow, just massive influx. Yeah. I, I wonder what that number will be when it looks at full 2021 data, because I, I, Twitter is a bubble, but a lot of people in, in tech Twitter talking about how many people have moved to Miami, you know, from Silicon Valley and other parts of the country. So, all right, moving on to 13, we got Charlotte, North Carolina. Our composite index, 54.74 for Charlotte. Some interesting stats we can just cherry pick here. Year-over-year change in home price, 23.8%. And our year-over-year change in population, 1.7%. So I'm sure if you've read articles like this one, Charlotte has made many lists and no different here. Cool. Cool market. Yeah. I mean, it's you know kind of similar to, to Nashville and just booming, booming growth. Yeah, I was another. I think another short-term haven. Tons of bachelor, bachelorette parties here talked about quite regularly as a destination. All right, moving on to number twelve, we have Las Vegas, Nevada. Another another boom and bust market. So Vegas's composite index fifty five point one nine. Let's find some interesting stats here. Year over year change in home price twenty four point one percent. Year over year change in population one point eight percent. Pretty solid. I thought of something else I'd like to see in this report is yeah. the these the popular the median rent and the median home price broken out into quartile mm. and also having volume for that quartile 
I feel like Las Vegas is one where there's probably pretty big swings in price. Um, and maybe these other cities as well. Like, I think that would be interesting. Because, I mean, I don't know if this segments out, like, properties that are typically used as rental. Mm. Or is it, like, globally of, like, all properties, you know? Like, I think that would be interesting to know. Yeah. It's probably just median rents and median price across the board. I don't think they're segmenting or anything. All right. So moving on to number 11, we have San Antonio. So San Antonio's composite index 55.41. The gross rent multiplier here starts to tick down. We've been in the mid to low 20s so far. This one drops down to 16.6. But with the caveat of our effective property tax rate in Texas is much higher. So San Antonio, we have 1.62. Versus if I look back to Nevada or Las Vegas, 0.58. So almost three times the property tax rates. Any comments there, guys? Moving on. All right. That's a lot of property tax. That is a lot of property tax. All right. Number 10, we are staying in Texas. We got Houston coming in with a composite index of 55.76. Their gross rent multiplier, 15.8. But again, effective property tax rate, 1.67 in in Houston. Our next one on the list is a little bit different. So everything we've covered so far, home prices have been, let's see, Houston, I think was the lowest around 260,000. So number nine on the list is Oklahoma City. And the median, or the I'll start with the composite index, 57.21. The median home price in Oklahoma City, much more affordable, 190,559. And so your median monthly rent there is 1056 So this one's a little bit different on the list. You know, year-over-year change in home price, not as high, 13.7%. Year-over-year population, 1.1%. But overall, uh, the numbers look good for Oklahoma City on this list. All right, all right, all right. All right, number eight, a very popular one in addition to the North Carolina and Texas markets. Can you guys guess it? It's on every list. What is it? Think think uh, more west. You already gave San Antonio, so it's not in Texas. Probably not in California. West of Oklahoma? Probably not California. West. Could it be either Tucson or Phoenix or something? Phoenix, Arizona? yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at the wheels turned in there. I love it, Tom. All right, Phoenix coming in at number eight probably on every list, composite index of 57.45. Our year, this is crazy, year over year change in home price, 32.2%. So nuts. If you had a home in Phoenix, probably didn't do anything in one year, uh, you've gained one third of the value. That's insane. That's insane. And according according to the, the data sources here, forecasted home price growth, 23.8% 23.8% over the next year. That's so insane. over two years, going up 50% between the forecasted and the actual. Yeah. Another example of, uh, yeah, vacation, vacation rental. That's kind of being, being creative to cash flow. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, another interesting stat here to pull out, year-over-year change in population this is our first where we hit over 2%, 2.1% for Phoenix. Yeah. But everybody right. who moved out there this year is going to stay there for one summer and then move right back to where they came from. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I have a friend who lives out there. And when I talked to him in the summer, a, a client of mine, he 
just tells me it's like 120 every single day. And if your car is not parked in garage, you can't even get into your car. It's like it's so everything's crazy. on steering wheels on fire, seatbelt. It's it's crazy. Guys, All right, moving enough on. Enough with the fire references. Come on, let the wound heal. <laughs> the world's getting hot, man. I know, I know. Okay, number seven, Memphis, Tennessee. We got a composite index of 59.35. Uh, this is another more affordable market. Median home price, 198369 Year-over-year uh, -year population growth hasn't been huge, 0.2%, but year-over-year -year change in home price, 17.7%. So Memphis looking good. I like how diverse this list is. In yeah. That, you know, there are some more asset, you know, kind of like cash preservation, you know, maybe more appreciation. And then you have markets that are definitely more bent on some cash flow like Memphis. And, you know, no, not a, a fun strategy in that there's multiple holes to run into. Yep. <laughs> I didn't, that's a weird analogy I used. Sticking with the rabbit theme. <laughs> you know, you because know, I remember, I think it might, have, it might have been either Gary or Gregor, one of our, one of the co-founders with Roofstock was talking about how real estate is such a great investment because you have two holes to run into, you know, where there's the yield aspect and there's the appreciation, um, or you can go into the more dominant hole. Anyways, okay, enough of that, Tom. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll see if, did we'll anyone see if else's did anyone else's mind with two holes and dominant hole and <laughs> oh okay uh, all right whatever we can I, take it out whatever <laughs> my mind just going straight so. okay <laughs> oh i love it number six on the list this is going to be i think if we're using uh grm gross rent multiplier as the the loose benchmark for cash flow market, it's going to be our lowest GRM, which would loosely say our best potential cash flow market. We got Tulsa, Oklahoma. So our composite index, 59.55 and our gross rent multiplier, 14.8. So median home price there is 181,919 and our median monthly rent is 1,028. I like Tulsa. Tulsa is pretty close to Oklahoma City too, like not too far away. What do you like about yeah. Tulsa? Oh, I did a road trip across the United States and when I was living in Alabama and I made a stop in Tulsa and uh, spent the night there. It's a great city. Very friendly. There was, there was stuff to do. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I've not given a lot of details there. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was beautiful. There were like parks and stuff. Nice. Um, do they have any professional sports teams? I know that's like, uh, I remember from our webinars back in the day, that's like one of your investment criteria is at least one professional sports team. Yeah, I think there's some AAA teams there. Hmm. It's hotbed, hotbed of AAA. I love it. I love a AAA team. That's a great experience. Nashville, great AAA baseball team. Is I think <laughs> I think the it's so interesting, like the jump from AAA to the majors is so astronomically uh, prevalent in like baseball, aren't baseball players like the highest paid professional athletes? I don't know. They got a long, typically long, pretty long careers. Yeah, they can. I think so. I think the average baseball contract is the highest. I, th I think so. Yeah, and like yet the like AAA and minor leagues are like some of the lowest paid athletes. I think. Are they? Yeah, I used to know a guy that his son played AAA. He's like he didn't have enough make enough money to put food on the table. And they're traveling like all the oh, time. It's, I think it's a lot of work. I, I would think, yeah, it's it's crazy. You do that for like five years, and then if you make it, it's like, oh wow, you're like, you know, yeah, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah. But if you don't, oh man, yeah. Anyway, 
<laughs> baseball. The, the obvious transition into baseball major and minors. <laughs> Glad we got that covered in this episode. <laughs> So many important lessons our, our listeners are getting People today. Are like, Screw real estate investing. I'm going to go become a professional baseball player. Wait a minute. Baseball players? <laughs> I've had it wrong this whole time. <laughs> uh, onward and forward. Yeah. Number five. Back to Florida. We got any guesses? Jacksonville. You're looking at the list. No. Well, good job because you got it right. I knew it had to be at, on the list at some point if I threw it out enough times. Yeah, yeah Jacksonville. Okay, so Jacksonville composite index 61.17. Year-over-year change in home price 23.5%. Forecasted home price growth of 23.8. And year-over-year change in population 1.7%. Jacksonville, uh, number four. This is a market that has been on a tear for a long time. Market that Tom, I think, believe you're investing yeah. in Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, look at you. You knew it. All right. So we got a composite index, 61.7. Uh, year over year change in home price, a solid 23%. Forecasted home price gr- growth, 23.9%. Wow. Uh, population growth year over year, 1%. And our effective property tax rate, 0.88. So still pretty solid. Nice. Tom, do you still have your Atlanta rental? I do. Yeah. Uh, you have a couple, got a handful right? of them. And, you know, but the question is like, okay, is it like now, you know, they've seen such great appreciation. Do I like take it out and go buy somewhere else with that? I, I feel like I, I'm at a time like time-wise I can't commit to doing effective diligence on like redeploying all that, you know, that that capital. But it's um, a fun thing about investing. You get some, some options. A couple uh, of different holes. <laughs> you know, you know, what I, you know what I did. What was it Tommy Boy that like analogy of like putting the head up a butcher? Like that's basically what I did. What I did with that quote. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? If you know what I'm talking about, that's you know so what I'm talking good. about. Tommy Boy <laughs> trying to use his dad's yeah, quote. Totally, just butchering it. <laughs> Mouse has lots of holes to run. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> oh, that was such a good movie. Okay. I know. I totally accidentally did that so anyways yeah Atlanta great market <laughs> all that to say <laughs> it came full circle on that one <laughs> all right I think I think we're running long so I'm gonna just go quick fire with our top three we got number three Birmingham Alabama composite index 62.03 number two we got Orlando Florida Florida's got a couple I think that's three or four on the list already Orlando's composite index 63. And number one, drum roll, please. Another Florida market, Tampa. Tampa is number one with a composite score of 65.26. Florida Look for the win Tampa go. as a state. Yeah. Holding it down. Yeah, 27.7% year-over-year change in home price. Another 27.2% forecasted. Year-over-year population change, 1.4%. Effective property tax rate, 0.9. GRM of 17. So, Tampa looking good. The effective uh, property tax rate seems like almost kind of low. Like for Florida being, you know, no income taxes, all property taxes. That seems very uh, reasonable. Especially compared to Texas. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, all right. Well, that's our list. And again, anyone wants to check out the full list, read the full methodology, look at all the numbers. If you're looking for a market and want some help, I think this article is a great starting point. Check it out. We'll link to it in the show notes, or you can go to the Stessa blog and look for the title, The Best U.S. Cities to Invest in a Rental Property. Uh, I think that's it. You guys, you ready to take us home? Yeah, let's get out Great of here. Great job, Emil. Gotta go back Great to, job, Michael. Gotta go back to the dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you learned something about a market or if you're invested in these markets, hopefully you, you uh, were able to give yourself a little pat on the back. And with that, we will check you out in the next episode. Happy investing. Happy investing. Happy investing. Happy investing.